Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you again for taking a few moments to uh, be involved in the podcast. First of all, I want to thank uh, those of you in Japan. Uh, the The number of people over in Japan that are listening to this podcast is just amazing. I've never had the opportunity to meet you. I look forward one day to having that opportunity. But I just want to thank you so much for uh, the number of you that are listening and uh, the fact that it's obvious that uh, you're letting other people know about it. And uh, what's happening in Japan is happening all over and multitude of nations. And so I just want to thank all of you that are going out of your way to uh, just uh, make sure that the podcast is being distributed and talked about. Uh, Today I want to talk to you about a game plan for leaders, a game plan for leaders. And what I'm going to use as my template is I'm going to use Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So let me just start with a simple concept. Uh, The physical wear and tear of leadership of any kind, of any nature, can be overwhelming. If you're going to lead, there's a a physical uh, wear and tear that takes place. So what God says is, if you're going to lead, you've got to be smart And you have to learn to rely on his strength. You have to learn to rely on his strength. So let me put this in context. Uh, A few years ago, uh, Deion Sanders, who's very famous in America for having played in the NFL, uh, he came to my office. He told me about an invitation that he had to speak several times at a couple of churches And he just said, hey, I'm new to this. Uh, I'm a young Christian. Is there any chance you could help me write a message? And so I sat down. I said, what is the idea that you have? And basically, I wrote an intro, three points, and a conclusion for him and put verses by it and said, okay, uh, here is where you would insert one of your football stories, the kind of story you might insert. And uh, he said, thank you. He went off. He said, I'll call you uh, the first of next week when I get back and tell you how it went. Well, um, I didn't hear from the first of next week. And we're getting into the end of the week. And I get a call. And Dion asked me, he says, Pastor, can uh, you come over to uh, my house? And at that time, he didn't live far from me. Now he does. And so I went over and uh, we just sat down and uh, had a meal together at his home. He looked at me and he said, I just have a question. He said, "Um, I don't know how to describe this. He said, I've been through two a days in uh, football in Florida during the heat and the humidity. I've played football and then played baseball at night during the heat and humidity, but he says nothing has exhausted me like this. And I looked at him and I said, Dion, you understand that uh, when you play baseball or football, you're giving physical energy. But when you stand in the pulpit and you minister, you're giving heart energy. 
And I said, what you're feeling is what every pastor feels on Sunday afternoon. I said, welcome to the big leagues. Welcome to the fact that for the first time you had to give from the inside out versus the outside in. Now, that's what happens in spiritual leadership. You're always giving from your heart because you care and you're trying to create commitment. And because you care and you're trying to create commitment, you're giving your heart. And as you give your heart, you're giving away the most valuable resource that you have. And that's what the Bible talks about when it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What I can tell you is uh, you need more than your strength. You're going to need to learn to rely on his strength because both spiritually, mentally, and physically, if you don't have strength on the inside, eventually you will fail in your leadership journey. So the first game plan thought is physically wear and tear can be overwhelming, so be smart and rely on his strength. The next thought is in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. And the second thought is just pretty simple also. Uh, preparation cannot be overlooked. So here's the simple concept here. If you are going to lead, you have to prepare. It's what you do when the pressure's not on that gives you the ability to lead when the pressure is on. And so preparation is the forgotten key of leadership. It is the part of leadership that people overlook. But Paul's writing and he says, put on the whole armor of God. He says, guys, get ready. There's going to come a day when uh, you're going to have to uh, stand against the wiles, against the strategies, against the resistance and the adversity uh, that the evil one's going to send your way. And so uh, preparation is going to be a key. And so I like to put it this way. If you're not ahead, then you're behind. If you haven't learned to discipline yourself to get ahead of the game, then you're going to be behind in the game. And uh, you have to understand that you have to get ahead, that you have to get ahead. And so when it comes to this particular game plan, uh, you've got to be a person who relies on a strength bigger than you. You have to be a person who prepares ahead. And because you prepare ahead, you understand that um, a lot is going on. And it's only when you're ahead of the game that you're ever going to be able to play the game effectively. Next thought is in verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, uh, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What does that mean? There's more in play than you may realize. What Paul's talking about literally is he's listing the four ranks of demonic forces that people contend with spiritually. He's listing them from the greatest to the least. But what he's saying is if you're going to be an effective leader, you cannot be one-dimensional. You have to be effective in more than one area because life is, involves more than one kind of area that you're going to have to contend with. So you can't be a one-dimensional leader. There's always more going on than you think. You know, in my life, I've had a, a series of mentors. There's really been uh, four main mentors in my life. One of those mentors was a man named Dr. Roy Hicks. Dr. Uh, Hicks, um, he was a pastor who oversaw 
uh, pastors for the Foursquare denomination for 40 years, and he oversaw 1,500 churches. So for uh, 40 years, he pastored pastors overseeing 1,500 churches. Now, uh, I remember one time when he came to our area, I'm sitting here and I'm asking him questions, trying to just experience everything I can from his vast experience and draw from it. And as a result of that, I ask him this question. What is the one reason that people fell in ministry if it's not because of immorality or it's not because of error in doctrine? I really thought I was asking a rather profound question. And it's at that point that he looked at me and he says, oh, that's simple. He says, they're not practical enough. And I looked at him. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, a lot of pastors haven't learned to be practical. And if you can't live in the day to day, then you can't be effective helping people who are living in the day to day. Well, that's one of my mentors. Another one of my mentors is is Jack Hayford. He pastored Church on the Way in Van Nuys, uh, California for years and years. And uh, Jack was uh, an individual who always said that if you're going to lead, you're going to have to engage in spiritual conflict. You're going to have to confront the spiritual issues that are really behind the natural circumstances. So I want you to get it. I have two mentors. One focuses on the practical. Another one focuses on the spiritual. When I put them together, what does that say? It says what Paul said. I can't be one-dimensional. I have to be a person who can navigate between the spirit, and I have to be a person who can navigate into the natural. I have to be spiritually engaged, and I have to be practically effective. Why? Because there's more going on than I may realize at any moment. And so as a leader, you're going to have to push back against prevailing spirits in your community. You're going to have to uh, begin to engage people who are naturally overwhelmed and invite them to uh, a spiritual understanding. You're going to have to invite people who are spiritually attuned to be able to live practicalities of life. You're going to have to be good at more than one thing. Next thought. Ephesians 6.13 Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day having done all to stand. The next leadership principle is very simple. You're going to have to be willing to take a stand even when it's hard. So as a leader you're going to have to make some stands. Sometimes those stands will be stands everyone wants you to make. But sometimes those stands will be stands that people don't want you to make. You're going to have to stand up when other people sit down. And you're going to have to stand alone so other people one day can stand with you. And so taking a stand won't be easy. But I've never met a leader of any capacity who wasn't in a position where they uh, avoided making a stand. Sometimes you just stand up and you say, hey, this is exactly what we're going to do. So, if I can give you a premise, in our congregation here, one of the stands that we've made is that we will be multicultural. And we will uh, be a people who are multi-generational. So, one of the ways that we explain that is, is that we've made a stand. And our stand is simply this. 
uh, when our kids to get to heaven, we do not want them being surprised, which means this. We've made a stand that all great leaders are not going to be one color. They're not all going to be white. They're not going to be black. They're not all going to be brown. They're not going to be red. They're not going to be yellow. They're going to be of every color. They're going to be of every kindred, of every tongue, and of every nation, as it talks about in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, and that we've made a stand that we're willing to lose people who are just comfortable uh, being in a congregation that is one color. And we've made a stand that if someone wants to just say, I want to be in a place that just magnifies my ethnicity, uh, that's not going to be where we go. That's not going to be how we live. And so uh, we are willing to make a stand even if it's hard. Another concept is stand therefore having your, uh, your waist girded about with truth. What does that mean? As a leader, you have to face reality. You cannot ignore the truth. See, this is where sometimes the spiritual and the natural get messy. Because some people think faith is denying reality. Faith is not saying facts aren't true. Faith is acknowledging that God's bigger than any fact that is true. So God's big enough to change any fact on the table. But as a leader, you cannot deny the facts. So let me give you the example. And the example is simply this. Um... A few years ago, it was May of 2008, I began to look at the finances of our organization and I began to see that in one month there has been a major swing in income versus expenses. And as that income has spun around, I ended up calling a meeting and I put all our staff together and I said, we're putting on hold every, every expense. All those cookies we buy for kids, no more cookies. All of those uh, crowns that we get, no more crowns. We're not spending anything from top to bottom. I'm not spending it. No one's spending it. What I didn't realize was that uh, towards August and September of that year, the stock market was going to lose a large portion of its value. And the stock market was going to go down 776 uh, point, I think six, seven uh, points. And um, as a result of that, the economy is going to start to freeze up because of the credit markets. What I didn't know was if I hadn't made that decision based on a reality in May, uh, we wouldn't have been able to survive the rest of the year as an organization because we're about to lose a third of our income. So a third of our income is going to disappear literally in four months. And so if I hadn't have put a, a, my foot down on expenses, we wouldn't have survived. Now, someone says, well, you could have just believed God. Well, I do believe God, but I always believe God in the face of reality. The reality was there wasn't uh, money coming in, so we didn't spend money and have it going out. And so what I've learned is... Uh, that I face reality, but I face reality with faith. I do not ignore the truth. Warren Bennis made this statement. He says, leaders define reality. We define the reality of what the organization is doing and how the organization is going to do it. And so we define reality. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says this, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
Uh, let me just uh, simplify that. Can you handle pressure when you are asked to do something that may not be right? See, many times um, a lot of the pressures that we feel in life are pressures because our values are being attacked. And the breastplate of righteousness was to cover our emotions, to cover our will, to cover our heart, our values. And as a leader, you're going to have to do what's right regardless of the pressure. No matter how many shots are being taken at your values, no matter how many issues are being confronted when it comes to what you feel is right, you've got to do what's right regardless of the pressure. If I can put it to you this way, one of the things I tell people all the time is you can never make a good deal with a bad person. And so in life, uh, there's some things that are non-negotiable. There's some things that are never on the bargaining table. There's some things that are always going to be decided. Uh, and as a leader, you do what's right. You do what's right. Uh, I was recently doing a message and in there, I referred to a Harvard Business School uh, article on where it talked about the ROI of character. ROI of character. The ROI refers to the return on investment. And what they were saying is, if a CEO has high-level character where they uh, tend to be an individual of great integrity, does that hurt the company or does that help the company? See, we've always had the idea if someone did uh, what was right and wasn't just focused on the bottom line, then that would affect and cause them not to make as much money. And so there are people who say, well, I know all this stuff, but I've got to do business. But after Harvard and several organizations had done studies, what they found is if you are a person of integrity and you lead with integrity and you maintain your character throughout your business, on average, it increases the bottom line by 6%. 6%. Can I tell you, based on what the T-bill closed at last Friday at 2.7 of uh of what the effective return on a 10-year T-bill is to get 6% is pretty amazing. But they said, to the contrary of what everyone has thought, integrity and character doesn't cause you to lose money. It causes you to make money. So you do what's right regardless of the pressure. The next principle is have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is this? You've got to be mobile and you've got to be flexible. Here's the thing. You may take your shoes off at home. You may take your shoes off going into someone else's house. But if you're going to be out in this world, you keep your shoes on. And you know why? Because you don't know what you're going to step on. And there's nothing worse than stepping on a rock or stepping on something and you don't have your shoes on and that immediately causes pain throughout your body because you've stepped on something. It can cause you to lose your balance. So one of the things that we know is that leaders have to have good footing. They have to be able to uh, have good food footing where they're able to uh, be sturdy in their stand uh, and golf your stance and baseball your stance. 
there has to be a solid footing if you're going to do that. In tennis, it's your footwork. You've got to have good footwork. We can go through all the natural analogies you want, but very few people are good at what they do who don't have good footwork. And what this is saying is you've got to have solid ground that you're standing on, and you have to be able to make uh, to stand squarely and yet have mobility and flexibility. Because if you have the ability to make a stand and to stand squarely, and then you have the ability to have flexibility, you're going to be able to react to whatever's coming next and whatever comes in. Uh, there's, a, there's a book out there uh, that was a study of what they called geeks and geezers. Geeks being young people, geezers being old people. The geeks... Uh, were uh, the young people who had succeeded in business at a very, very young age, and they were mastering the business equation. The geezers were people who had succeeded in the past and had maintained success. Well, they did an analysis. Uh, what are the common traits between geezers who've succeeded over a long term and geeks who have succeeded over the short term? What caused a young person to succeed quickly? What caused an old person to succeed and maintain their success? What they came down was that there was one skill that transcended everything. And that's what they called adaptability. The ability to pivot, the ability to be quick on your feet, to be able to move, to be able to adjust. And what I'm saying in leadership is, Mobility and flexibility are a part of the leadership game plan. Another portion is this. In Ephesians 6 and verse 16, it says this. It says that above all, taking the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. One of the things that you've got to understand uh, about leadership is you never leave your faith at the door. If you're going to lead, you lead with faith. You lead with your faith in God. You lead with your faith in uh, yourself. You lead with your faith in others. You are going to have to have faith. Now, the interesting thing is the Bible is a book of faith. But when the Bible talks about faith, it talks about three dimensions of faith. It talks about triumphant faith. That is what 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 says. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It talks about transformational faith, the fact that there is God doing something in you. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any person be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. It's about you being transformed. And then there's transcending faith, that your faith is bigger than this life. What I found is if you're going to be able to manage faith, you've got to master all three. You've got to be able to look at current problems and have a triumphant attitude. But you also have to be a person that says, my faith transforms me. It makes me into a better person, a better individual. But then if you're going to handle faith, you have to have transcending faith. You've got to have the kind of faith that is bigger than life, that is bigger than this life. See, if your faith isn't bigger than this life, then you're probably going to struggle with faith in this life. And throughout the Bible, we have verses like in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
and verse 6 where it says to be absent from the body is to be present in the Lord. Verse 7, uh, walk by faith and not by sight. What is that faith? That is transcending faith, knowing that if we ever leave our body, we are present with the Lord, that if we ever die, we are going to be with God. What I can tell you is this, that if you know in your life you're always going to win because you're always going to be with God, transcending faith opens the door to transformational faith and triumphant faith. But you've got to remember, it is your faith that gets you through the hard times. Another principle is this, take the helmet of salvation. You've got to keep your head on straight. You've got to make sure that you think clearly. Um, you know, life will play mind games with you. It'll get you thinking about things that aren't true. It'll get you jousting with windmills. It'll get you chasing rabbits that lead nowhere. Your mind will lead you down paths of disrespect. Well, so-and-so said this, they meant this. Your mind will lead you down places of discouragement. This didn't work out, therefore I'm a failure. And the simple truth of the matter is, you've got to keep your head on straight. And if you keep your head on straight, you may face discouragement, but it never becomes disappointment, where you're just disappointed in who you are. And if you keep your head on straight, uh, pride never gets to be uh, the, the dominating force of your ego. See, you never let your ego outgrow your heart. You never let pride become the dominant thing in your life. And so you've got to keep your head on straight. And if you keep your head on straight, things are going to work out. Another principle is this. You've got to stick to what God says. In verse 17, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is our ability to uh, withstand and to handle uh, the conflicts of life. And the conflicts, whether spiritually or naturally, they're managed best when you stick to what God says. And so you just do that. And then it says also, uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto, uh, with all perseverance for all saints. What does it say? When a leader's leading at their best, a leader is leading in prayer. A leader is praying for others. A leader is... Uh, beginning to initiate territory gains by expanding their prayer life. And if you're praying, that's when you're most effective leading. What I can tell you is I couldn't lead if I didn't pray. But I can tell you that no one wants me to be their leader if I'm not praying. And I have a very strong suspicion you're a better leader when you pray. And no one really wants to follow you if you're not praying. So prayer is how leaders lead their best. And what God says is this. If you'll initiate this simple uh, game plan where you begin to rely on strength, you begin to be prepared, uh, you're willing to recognize that there's more in play than what your natural eye can see. You take a stand, even if it's hard. You face reality. You don't ignore the truth. You do what's right, regardless of the pressure. You uh, have a good stance, but you're mobile and flexible. You remember your faith will get you through hard times. You keep your head on straight and don't play games. You stick to what God says because it's your, always your best response. And you pray because that's how you lead well. 
then that leads you to this. God's going to open doors for you. God's going to create opportunities for you that would not happen any other way. A lot of people want opportunities that they're not prepared for. But if you'll initiate the game plan, what you'll find is this. You'll be able to seize any opportunity that comes your way. So, just a game plan using the template of Ephesians chapter 6. I hope it helps you. Maybe you can break it apart and help some of your leaders. I want to say to all of you, thank you for being such great leaders. Thank you for growing in your leadership journey. I want to remind you, if you ever uh, want to find out about where I'll be speaking and uh, resources that we have, you can go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and uh, you can find out there. Again, to all of you in Japan, thank you so much uh, for just expanding uh, the podcast there. I've never had the privilege of meeting you, but I look forward to. To all of you, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. 